0: President uh, Truman had a sign on his desk that read, The buck stops here. And in his farewell address to the American people as president, he said, The president, whoever he is, has to decide. He can't pass the buck to anybody. No one else can do the deciding for him. That's his job. And of all the decisions he had to make, certainly the decision to drop the bomb was his hardest. And as he noted when addressing the National War College in 1952, you know, it's easy for the Monday morning quarterback to say what the coach should have done after the game is over. When the decision is up before you, And on my desk, I have a motto which says, the buck stops here, the decision has to be made. Well, his decision has been vigorously debated ever since, and I'm not going to enter into the fray other than to say that my dad, who was in the infantry in the Pacific Theater at the time, said it was the right decision. That while it took many lives, it saved even more and brought the war to a close. I'm also going to resist the temptation to compare Truman's courage to make decisions and to accept the resulting blame with presidents who have followed after him. But in our text for today, it becomes very obvious that Portius Festus, The Roman governor who succeeded Felix did not have Truman's sign on his desk. Last week, we noted Felix's tendency to procrastinate, to indefinitely put off making a decision, whether that decision related to Paul's fate as a prisoner or his own eternal fate as a sinner. And this week we note Festus's proclivity to let someone else do it. And his first attempt at passing the buck was to let the Jews do it. We're in Acts chapter 25, ready for verses 1 through 9. Festus, therefore, having arrived in the province, three days later went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea, And the chief priests and the leading men of the Jews brought charges against Paul, and they were urging him, requesting a concession against Paul, that he might have him brought to Jerusalem, at the same time setting an ambush to kill him on the way. Festus then answered that Paul was being kept in custody at Caesarea, and that he himself was about to leave shortly. Therefore he said, Let the influential men among you go there with me, and if there's anything wrong about the man, let them prosecute him. And after he had spent not more than eight or ten days among them, he went down to Caesarea. And on the next day he took his seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought. And after he had arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many and serious charges against him. Which they could not prove. While Paul said in his own defense, I have committed no offense, either against the law of the Jews, or against the temple, or against Caesar. But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial before me on these charges? Now, history tells us that Festus was a good governor who tried to be fair and do what was right. He was only in office for two years because he died quite suddenly, but there were no scandals while he was in office. He was a good man. Only three days after becoming governor, he went to Jerusalem, the religious center of the province, to meet with the Jewish leaders, and immediately... They brought up Paul, who Felix had left in jail, and they reiterated the charges against him. They urged Festus to have Paul brought to Jerusalem for trial, and once again planned to assassinate him on the way to court. Now, some texts indicate that the same 40 men who had taken a vow not to eat until they had killed Paul were the ones... Planning to kill him. Now, I trust they'd found an honorable way around their vow and had eaten in those intervening two years, but it had been two years. And it's hard to believe such lingering hatred. You know, Paul had been in prison all that time, he wasn't causing anyone any trouble. But all they could think of was getting rid of the one they had labeled a real pest. Well, Festus didn't know all the details, but he could tell that the Jews wanted Paul condemned. And he knew that Roman justice wouldn't turn anyone over to a lynch mob. He refused their initial request to have Paul brought to Jerusalem indicating that he wouldn't be in town long enough, which really wasn't true. He stayed there another eight to ten days, plenty of time for a trial. But he did say that they could send a delegation to Caesarea with him and that he would hear their case against Paul there, trusting, no doubt, that it would be easier to make a fair judgment in Caesarea than in Jerusalem. Well, as soon as he got back to Caesarea, he took his seat. In the tribunal, and ordered Paul brought before him. The Jews proceeded to make very serious charges against Paul, and it became obvious that they could prove none of them. They had no witnesses, they had no proof. When Paul was given the opportunity to defend himself, all he had to do was categorically deny the charges. I have committed no offense against either the law of the Jews or against the temple. Or against Caesar. Well, what was Festus to do? Who should he believe? You know, Roman law held a man who was innocent until proven guilty, and it was obvious no guilt had been proven. But the Jews were adamant. Obviously, there was more at play here than appeared on the surface. Festus really didn't understand. The situation, but he could tell there was no substance to the charges, and he knew he should just dismiss the case. But he was a new governor, charged with keeping the peace, and he had a large Jewish constituency to keep happy. They carried a lot of clout. They had been able to have Felix recalled, and he didn't want to offend them if he could help it. So he asked Paul if it would uh, if he would agree to what the Jews wanted if it would be okay with him if the trial be moved from Caesarea to Jerusalem now he assured Paul that he would still be the judge with final authority but but perhaps this way the Jews could get to the the bottom of the situation and and they would be convening the court now truth of the matter is you know they they couldn't say anything in Caesarea that they couldn't say in Jerusalem, but this way Festus wouldn't be held responsible for pursuing a Roman trial when it was obvious there was no grounds for such. Rather than try the case himself in the Roman provincial capital, he would let the Jews do it under his oversight, of course, if that was okay with Paul. Well, it wasn't. So it was on to plan B. Let the emperor do it. Verses 10 through 12. But Paul said, I'm standing before Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. I have done no wrong to the Jews, as you also very well know. If then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything worthy of death, I do not refuse to die. But if none of those things is true of which these men accuse me, no one can hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then when Festus had conferred with his counsel, he answered, You've appealed to Caesar, to Caesar, you shall go. When given the option, Paul said in effect, Why should I? I'm standing before Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried, if at all, Why should I be taken to Jerusalem? Paul had done nothing illegal, and Festus knew it, and Paul knew that he knew it. Now, Paul's objection was not an attempt to get out of something he deserved. He was more than willing to pay the penalty if he had done anything wrong. He was willing even to face an executioner if he had done anything deserving the death penalty. But he had done nothing wrong, and he wanted a fair trial. And he knew he wouldn't get one in Jerusalem. They wanted to kill him. Period. To go to Jerusalem would be to agree to a death sentence undeservedly. So he appealed to Caesar. As a Roman citizen, he had the right to appeal directly to the emperor if he felt he was being treated unfairly by a Roman tribunal. So he did so. He appealed Caesar. Now, Festus hadn't expected that. He, He may not have even known that Paul was a Roman citizen. So he conferred with his advisors, and it was true. Paul had the right to appeal to Caesar. Festus therefore declared, you have appealed to Caesar. To Caesar you shall go. Now, I've got a sneaking suspicion that Festus was more than willing to let Caesar make the decision. He would gladly let the emperor make a decision that he knew would be very unpopular with the Jews. Festus was getting off the hook. or So he thought. But passing the buck doesn't keep the next one from dropping in your lap. His relief was short-lived, because it soon became obvious he had another problem. Maybe he could just get someone else to solve that one, too. Maybe he could let the king do it. Verses 13 through 27. Now, when several days had elapsed, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived in Caesarea and paid their respects to Festus. And while they were spending many days there, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There's a certain man left a prisoner by Felix, and, and when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews brought charges against him, asking for a sentence of condemnation upon him. And I answered them that it is not the custom of the Romans to hand over any man before the accused meets his accusers face to face and has an opportunity to make his defense. Against the charges. And so, after they had assembled here, I made no delay, but on the next day took my seat on the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought. When the accusers stood up, they began bringing charges against him, not of such crimes as I was expecting, but they simply had some points of disagreement with him about their own religion and about a certain dead man, Jesus, whom Paul asserted to be alive. And being at a loss how to investigate such matters, I asked whether he was willing to go to Jerusalem and there stand trial on these matters. When Paul appealed to be held in custody for the emperor's decision, I ordered him to be kept in custody until I send him to Caesar. And Agrippa said to Festus, I also would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, he said, you shall hear him. And so on the next day, when Agrippa had come together with Bernice amid great pomp and had entered the auditorium accompanied by the commanders and the prominent men of the city, at the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. And Festus said, King Agrippa and all you gentlemen here present with us, you behold this man about whom all the people of the Jews appealed to me, both at Jerusalem and here, loudly declaring that he ought not to live any longer. I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death, and since he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to send him. Yet I have nothing definite about him to write to my lord. Therefore I have brought him before you all, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after the investigation is taking place, I may have something to write. For it seems absurd to me in sending a prisoner Not to indicate also the charges against him. (laughs) What a ridiculous situation. During a social visit, Festus laid Paul's case before the king. Agrippa. Herod Agrippa II. The last of the Herods to be given symbolic kingdoms in the midst of the Roman Empire. He was the great-grandson of the Herod who killed the babies in Bethlehem, the nephew of the Herod who beheaded John and tried Jesus, and the son of the Herod who killed James. Bernice was his sister, and the older sister of Drusilla, who we met last week as the wife of Felix, now the deposed governor. Anyway, Agrippa came to pay his respects to the new governor. And while there, Festus proceeded to tell him about the prisoner Felix had left behind and how he had dealt with the situation thus far. When Agrippa said he'd like to hear Paul, Festus was only too glad to oblige. As political head of the Jewish nation, Agrippa was considered an authority on Jewish matters. Maybe he could get... the bottom of this mess. And even if he couldn't resolve it, Festus wanted the king to investigate Paul's case so he'd at least have something to write to the emperor. Since Paul didn't want Festus to hand him over to the Jews, he had appealed to Caesar, and Festus had gladly agreed to let the emperor decide Paul's case. But Festus now had to write up the case in a way that wouldn't make him look incompetent. And he did not know what to write. The whole situation had become absurd. And Festus knew it. But he didn't want to make the decision to dismiss the case. And if he couldn't figure out what to write when sending the case on to the emperor, maybe the king could. So he had just let the king do it. Now again, Festus was a good man. He wanted to be fair. And it is good to seek the counsel of. Of others, there was nothing wrong with seeking the counsel of the king, the emperor or the Jews. But Festus was trying to avoid making a personal decision. And that was a big mistake. A mistake that affected not only the destiny of those over whom he had been given authority, but his own destiny as well. If he had personally investigated the matter and decided for himself, things may have gone much better for Paul. And Festus may have discovered the truth about Jesus, the certain dead man, Paul asserted to be alive. And as you're no doubt well aware, no one can make a decision for someone else about Jesus. This is one decision you have to make for yourself. This whole narrative is just so interesting. But the bottom line is a man who didn't want to make a decision about Jesus. That's a decision we have to make personally. You know, others can tell us about him. Others can tell us what they have concluded about the person of Jesus. And they can tell you what they've discovered. But at some point, you have to investigate the claims for yourself. You have to decide whether you believe he is who he says he is or not. You have to make a personal decision to obey him. To make Him your Lord and to do what He says in His Word. This is one decision you cannot pass on to someone else. When it comes to Jesus, it's not just decision time, it's your decision time. I pray if You've been passing the buck. When it comes to dealing with the most important decision you'll ever make. You'll say today, the buck stops here. I have a decision to make. I have decided to follow Jesus. you're being called to make a decision, if the Spirit is prompting you to say, yes, I know who He is. I've let others tell me about Him long enough. I've lived on the faith of my parents and my grandparents or my brothers or sisters long enough. Now it's time for me to make a decision. I invite you to come and do so listen